Amen. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? I'm so thankful to be here, so thankful uh, for what the Lord did this morning within the service. I was encouraged when I looked back online uh, up until about 5 o'clock. It had already been viewed over 300 sometimes. Amen. And I'm just believing, yes, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God's word is still going forth. Amen. And even though they may, not have, they may not have been here in the sanctuary ceiling, yet they heard it. And we are just believing that the chairs that are empty now, before long, they are going to be filled up with those that are lost. I was sitting there thinking there's enough power in the blood of Jesus Christ to save every alcoholic in Yakinville, every drug addict and alcohol, all of those that are bound by sin. Amen. And we are believing for the lost to come in. We're believing for him to do the impossible here. So, again, just keep us in prayer. Keep praying for the church and that the Lord will draw them in. And we have the promise that he's going to draw them in from the north to south and the east and the west. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with us to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we'll be reading two verses of Scripture, verses 17 and 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 17 and 18. If you're there, say amen. Amen. And the Bible says, For Christ sent me not to baptize. This will be Paul, the Apostle Paul preaching. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them who perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved... It is the power of God. I said unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. Stacy had no idea what I was preaching on, but I know that the Holy Spirit uh, was leading us in the right directions because of the songs that were sung was speaking about our freedom. And we that are saved tonight have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not only was you saved and saved from the penalty of sin, but you was also saved from the power of sin. And I want to minister tonight on the topic, the double cure. The double cure. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight in the name of your Son, Jesus. And Lord, we are so thankful and so privileged and honored, Lord, to be able to gather again tonight in your house, Lord. God, we are so thankful for the work that you did this morning, Lord, for the word that went forth. God, we know, Lord, that hearts were touched, Lord, that conviction went forth. And God, we know that hearts were stirred, Lord, the reports have already came in. And God, we're lifting those souls and hearts up to you, Lord, and believing that they're going to come into the fold. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for those that have watched by internet this morning, those that are watching now, Lord. God, we just thank you for them, Lord. And God, we ask that tonight you would anoint us one more time, Lord, to deliver your word. Lord, we don't take it lightly, but God, we ask that you would help us to rightly divide it. So, Lord, anoint our lips to speak forth your word. Anoint our hearts and ears, Lord, to receive it of those here in the sanctuary and those that are watching my internet or real watch, Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, let us leave out of here today, Lord, strengthened and encouraged by your spirit and by your power. And we'll ask it all in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. So, the first uh, book of Corinthians that we're reading here, as we all know, uh, Paul was writing uh, to the church of Corinth, a church that he had planted on his first missionary journey. And if you've know, done any study about the city of Corinth, Corinth at that time was as if uh, was like the Las Vegas of our time. 
The city was filled uh, with sexual immorality, perversion, homosexuality, drunkenness, gambling, you name it, they did it. And we all know that Las Vegas has often been referred to as the sin city. So if you wanted to find a comparison or wanted to maybe put a title to the church of Corinth, it was the Las Vegas of that time. But Paul here had planted a church here. Amen. And I've often baffled that, that God told Paul to plant the church right smack dab in the middle of every bit of that. But let me tell you something. There's enough power in the gospel of Jesus Christ to save every drunkard, to save every alcoholic, to save the drug addict, to save the bound, and to set each and every single one free. Amen. That's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And by the time Paul would be done preaching and people and hearing and yielding to the grace of God, the labels of Corinthians was soon to change. Amen. He will change your name. Amen. And he had taken these people out of the pit of sin that they were in. And many had given their heart and life to Jesus Christ. I mean, these were people that was deep in sin. But as you read through the book here, and even though there was a lot of problems, and even though there was sometimes mixed theology, and even time there was sometimes confusion or whatever, still and yet you see a heart in the people of Corinth after God. Amen. He's not looking for people that is perfect. He's looking for people that's hungry for him. You go on to read all down through the chapters in chapter 12. They desire the gifts of the spirit. God was moving in and about. But as we know, Paul had to bring some correction. Amen. How many of us know that correction is good? We've got to have correction brought to us at time. And that's what the preaching of God's word is to do, is to bring correction to us, to keep us on that path that the Lord has laid out. So he wrote the letter to the church of Corinth from Ephesus and would handle many questions that had risen and also would address some issues that needed to be addressed, some issues that had risen and was causing division. And I can tell you that the church, just as it was in Corinth at that time, is divided today. The church as a whole today is divided. And during this time of our text, most of that church was divided and was split with those identifying themselves with one of the preachers rather than Christ. Now let me just say something about division here. Division in the churches, if it's existing in the church, it will cause the Spirit of God not to be able to move the way that He desires. We've got to come together in unity. And when I speak of the church, not only of us that are here, but as the church as a whole, we've got to come together in unity. For far too long, for years and years and years now, the church has divided up because they're arguing over this, arguing over that, just as these were doing right here. And it causes division within the church and it will hinder the Spirit of God from moving the way that He desires. We may not agree on every little, uh, little thing, that, that, and we may have different opinions, but what, we, what does matter is what the Word of God says. What we are to stand on is the foundation of the blood of Jesus Christ. We still got to come together and say that the only way to heaven is through the blood of Jesus. That's something that we don't deviate whatsoever. I'm not bargaining with anybody else. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ that saves a sinner. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that one can get into heaven. We don't deviate from that. We're not moving on that whatsoever. There are many within the church today that, that are compromising. But we can't compromise that the only way to heaven is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so again, many of these were identifying themselves with one of the preachers rather than Christ. Your identity, my identity is not in a preacher or a denomination, but it's in Christ Jesus. 
There are many in the church today who have what we call an identity crisis. Because people will say, and I found it uh, almost funny, that when we were out passing out flyers and we were handing them out, we handed them out last Saturday, over 300, knocking on doors. And I know that seems to be a thing of the past, but we still did it. And, you know, because that's what's missing now within the church relationships and people seeing your face. But yet when we were doing it and we were knocking on doors and handing it out, some people were resistant. Oh, I'm Baptist. Oh, I'm Methodist. Or I'm Lutheran. I'm like, okay, well, I'm a Christian. Amen. I'm a Christian. My identity is not in the denomination. My, I'm not a church of God. I, I'm not Baptist. I'm not Methodist. I am a Christian. I am a born again believer that has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're wondering here tonight, which I believe everyone knows, those of you that may be watching by internet, we still believe in the moving and the operating power of the Holy Spirit. We are 100% Pentecostal. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. We still believe in the, in the fivefold ministry. We still believe in the nine gifts of the Spirit. We still believe in allowing Him to come in and to do what He desires to do. Because let me tell you, without the Holy Spirit, you've got, we've got nothing. One individual told me this morning, said that a church they're going to said they love the people, but they're missing something. And what they're missing, this individual told me they found it here today. They said when they pulled up on the parking lot, just on the parking lot, that they felt the presence of Almighty God. Let me tell you, be encouraged tonight. They felt the presence of Almighty God, which has been the prayer of my heart, which has been the prayer of Stacy, the prayer of y'all, of those that I know are praying that when people come down this road here on Crestview Drive, that every inch that they get closer to this parking lot, that they feel the power and the presence of Almighty God, that they know that this is not a place of condemnation, not a place of judgment, but this is a house full of grace and a house full of mercy. It is still a hospital for the sick. It is still an ER for those that are dying. And we believe that the dry bones shall live again. Amen. Amen. I believe that. That's what we want here. The presence of Almighty God. Amen. So preaching should never draw people to the preacher, but rather to the person of Christ and more importantly, to the work of Christ. If preaching is pointing you or directing you to anything else other than the finished work of Calvary, you're, you're listening to the wrong preaching and you need to turn your ears off to it. Because preaching and teaching should not be pointing you to self. And that is the only other person that it could be turning to other than Christ, and it's to self. But we must be pointed to Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross, amen, and to his finished work. So much of these Corinthians were controlled by a sectarian spirit. So basically, they, they felt that they were inferior to others. There was a prejudice that was there and because the, uh, other people didn't maybe line up with everything that they, they preached and taught. And Paul asked the question in verse 13, is Christ divided? And we know that the answer is no. See, there's no Baptist Christ. There's no Methodist Christ. There's no Lutheran Christ. There's no Pentecostal Christ. There is only one Christ and he was crucified on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago for all. Not just for the white man, but for the black man, the brown man, the red man, the yellow man, the green man, whatever color the man may be on whatever day of the week. He died for all. 
to save all. So our salvation is not wrapped up in the bylaws of a denomination or in the church that we attend. But our salvation is wrapped up in the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out. Too many have got their salvation and their identity based off of what a denomination says. Let me tell you, it's not about laws. It's not about rules. It's about faith and grace. You were saved by faith and grace, and you continue to maintain. You're to continue to trust the Lord. You live with by faith and grace. The same way you came in, it's the same way you stay in. We didn't come in by works, folks. And we don't stay in by works. Because if you try to work and do this thing on your own, you're not going to last long. Because Satan has got no problem taking you back. He is fighting the church now more than ever before. And if we don't get rooted and grounded in Christ on the solid rock in which we stand. Because it's on that rock. He told Peter, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Amen. So there may be those who don't necessarily agree with us maybe regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit because when we talk about Christ, is he divided? Paul asked that question. Unfortunately, Pentecostals are some of the worst because we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we believe in the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit times and I grew up in life seeing those in the Pentecost who believed in all of this but would flip their nose up, if you will, or shun those that necessarily didn't believe in that. Or didn't necessarily prescribe to that. They loved the Lord. They had given their heart to Jesus Christ. They asked him to come into their heart and to forgive them all of their sins. But because they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or because they wasn't attending a church that was spirit filled. They sort of thought that they were better than them. Let me tell you this baptism of the Holy Spirit is never supposed to make us walk around thinking we're better than somebody else. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for service to endue us with that dunamis power that he gave to the first church to be able to go out and to preach and to teach. And we got to have that anointing and that power that breaks the yoke of bondage. We need that. And when you're spirit-filled, he will send you out and use you in mighty ways. But he uses all. But we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to do the work that he has called us to do to the effectiveness and the way that he desires. we got to have the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if the person has been saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, then they are your brother and sister in Christ. I don't care what church they go to. If they have said yes to Jesus Christ, they've asked him into their heart, they are your brother and sister in Christ. Up in heaven, there's not going to be a section over here for Baptists and a section over here for Methodists and a section over here for Pentecostals. We're going to be all together around the throne room worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for all of eternity. That's what I desire to do. And we shouldn't be waiting until then. We should be doing that now. Because I can tell you that right now is just a dress rehearsal for what is to come. We're not going to be up in heaven with our arms crossed. But our hands are going to be lifted up to the king crying holy, holy, holy. So you better get in practice now because that's what you're going to be doing for all of eternity. Amen. So we see Paul saying here in verse 17 that Christ didn't send him to baptize but to preach the gospel. So the sole purpose of the church should not be on water baptism, but rather on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to make a few comments regarding water baptism. And the reason why we'll get to here in a moment, because unfortunately, there has been more of an emphasis placed on water baptism than there has been an emphasis placed on baptism into Christ. 
And what I mean by that is that they are focusing more and encouraging people to get dunked into the water and saying that if you get dunked into the water, the water will wash away things from you. Let me tell you something. The water don't take away anything. The water, when you get baptized in the water, it is just an outward expression of an inward faith. It just is showing to, saying to the world, that I have been baptized into Christ, I have given my heart and life to Jesus Christ, that dead man is buried, and I've come up as a new creature in Christ Jesus. I was doing some research for this in one of the mega churches that has several locations, and I was so shocked, and I thought that they couldn't take it to another level, but had water slide, as you were seeing a pool that goes around and around in the church, and that person gets on it and slides into the water, and they call that baptism. Now, this is the church of today. And water baptism is sacred and should be carried out in the heart and life of a born-again believer. I've done it. Jesus done it. We should follow suit. But it has nothing to do with one's salvation. The thief on the cross, I brought him up this morning. He didn't have time to go get dunked into a creek. He was just moments, hours away from dying. And he cried out, remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. He denying because he didn't get to go get water baptized but unfortunately we got many in the church today that's wanting to put conditions on salvation yeah you got to be washed by the blood of jesus and then you got some that says well you got to go on to get water without water baptism you're not going to make it then you got some that says that you got to get baptized in the holy spirit with the evidence will speak in other tongues none of that is conditional to salvation it is only through the blood of jesus christ so again to the new circumcision was to the old covenant. It's an ordinance of the church and it's meant to portray again what took place at salvation. So it doesn't matter who you've been baptized by, but rather that you have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and baptized in his death. So Paul here was saying, I thank God I didn't baptize none of y'all. Christ didn't send me to baptize, but he called me and sent me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 6 and 3. Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Now I have been doing a Bible study at the other church that we're from and we're getting ready to finish up with chapter 6. And in doing this study here, this particular verse here is one of the most misinterpreted scriptures in chapter 6 because when people will read this I mean I'm talking about people that that preach water baptism is the way to go that's got followers after followers and people are trusting in that are placing their faith in water baptism and they think that this scripture here is referring to water baptism but Paul here wasn't referring to water baptism he's saying that you've been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death so when you said yes to Jesus Christ in the mind of God he you that old sinful wretched person that you were placed you into the death of Jesus Christ when he died there on Calvary's cross you when you said yes entered in to his death so there you hung as well and then when he got buried that old man was buried when he and so that means his death is your death his burial is your burial but thank God his resurrection is also your resurrection so just as he come up out of that grave, you came forth too. But this time, you didn't come forth as a patch job. You came up as a new creature in Christ Jesus. I've said it before when I was younger, my mom, and because me and my brother, we were rough on our jeans, and we got a couple pair of jeans at the beginning of the school year. 
And if we messed them up, that was just too bad, so sad. We're going to wear them until next year. And so we were rough and we were playing around in our jeans because we wouldn't come home and we wouldn't get into uh, our, our play clothes. And so we would rough them up and we would wear holes in the knees. And I can remember my mom, I don't know if you remember the patches that you could buy and you can iron them on. And you're talking about embarrassed, but embarrassed that I was. I mean, I thought, Mom, can you at least get the same color as the jeans? <laughs> well, they were on sale. You know? And so she would iron them on. But see, too many Christians, they think they're patched up. You're not a patch job. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. He didn't come in and put a band-aid on you. The old man is dead, is buried, and this new man, this new person in Christ Jesus, because now your identity is in him, has come forth, and now you're walking and living and moving and find your being in Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, when we said yes to him, he became our substitute, and now your identification is with Him and His death, which now gives you all the benefits of Calvary's cross. So here, we've got to get this. God doesn't necessarily give us the blessings. Because we don't deserve no blessings at all. We deserve judgment. We deserve wrath. But the blessings that He gives, He out on his son and because you have accepted Jesus Christ because you have been baptized unto his death you now can be a recipient of all of those blessings you want to know what the blessings are go read Deuteronomy chapter 28 the blessings will overtake you right they, they will be overtaking you and you're coming and you're going and you're in and out and everywhere else he will bless you in ways that you would have never thought because you're in Jesus your identification is in Jesus Christ and nothing else. Amen. So water baptism, yes, is an ordinance, but it doesn't matter. And you can get dunked in every creek. I, when I was growing up, or when I heard of people that was even before my time, they would be in and out. Saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved. And I'm convinced that a lot of them was because their faith wasn't resting in Christ and what he's done. They were looking to self, and when self didn't perform, as self can never perform up to the standard that God has set, then they found themselves giving up. Then they found themselves coming back. Then they found themselves good at, and got so weary. And every time that they would come back, they thought they had to go get baptized again to the place where some of them knew every fish of Lake Norman by name. They knew every, they found Nemo again and again and again because they thought they had to be water baptized again faith in that but faith has to be rested in Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross for you and for me okay so the water doesn't take sin away the only thing that will remove sin is the blood of Jesus Christ and I love that song that says what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ what can make me whole again nothing I said nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We need to get back to preaching the blood of Jesus Christ. Is the only answer for the sinner, and it's the only answer for the saint. Not only do we need to be preaching the blood, we need the blood we need to be testifying the blood we need to be witnessing about the blood because it is only the blood that can take away sin 
only the blood of Jesus Christ. Many are ashamed today to talk about the cross. Many are today are ashamed to talk about the blood that was poured out. But I'm not ashamed because of that blood of Jesus Christ. I stand here today as a new creature in Christ Jesus. You don't know my past and it don't matter. All you need to know is that my name is written down in glory. All you need to know is that I have said yes to Jesus Christ because he recollection of anything that I've done before. All he sees me now is perfect because I am in Christ Jesus. He sees me as righteous. He sees you as holy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Every day you should get up thanking the Lord for the blood. Every day you should get up because if not for that blood you wouldn't be sitting here tonight. It's only because of the blood. So the mission of Paul that, that was ordained and commanded by God was not to baptize, but rather to preach, preach the gospel. Mark 16, 15 through 16 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who believes not shall be damned. So again, he but he that uh, and, and is baptized shall be saved again. He's not talking about water baptism. Again, another scripture that is misinterpreted. Think of that not only have you have to accept Jesus Christ and say yes to him and what he's done, but got to go on to get water baptized. He's saying that you got to believe and be baptized into Jesus. That person, your being, has got to be baptized unto him. And when you are, then you shall be saved. But the alternative to the one that doesn't believe the Bible is emphatic, shall be. Now I know that we don't like to mention the word hell. But hell is a literal place. Hell was never created for you and I or anybody else to go. It was created for the fallen angels. But unfortunately, because of, the, because of Adam's fall, we are born into original sin. And because of that, we were all destined to go to hell. But God made a way. And it's the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And his name is Jesus. So that you and I could escape eternity in hell and go and be with him. And again, it's by faith in what he has done for us at Calvary's cross. So with this commission here, the church has tremendously failed. We have tremendously failed because he has given us a command, a military command. He didn't give you an option. He didn't say, if you feel like it, go out into the world. But he said, go and, uh, ye unto all of the world. Now many people think that is for those that are just called to be behind this pulpit. They think that command only exists for preachers that have been called, whether it be evangelists, pastors, prophets, teachers, or apostles, and that we are the only ones. Let me tell you, the world is too big to place that responsibility on just a fivefold ministry. He has saved you and now has sent you to go out and to tell others about what he has done for you. You don't believe me? Paul said in Romans 1.14, I am a debtor. I owe it to the persons, to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise, the Greeks. I owe it to everybody to tell them about what he's done for me. But too many in the church today have concealed it within, is holding it within. Why are you holding it? Let it go. Go out into the world. Let me tell you about who Jesus is. He's the Son of Man. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Holy Ghost. All three in one. And tell them about what Jesus has done for you. Amen. So this gospel is not just for the, again, the white man, but the black man, the Asian man, every single man. 
So when you go out as a follower of Jesus Christ and you begin to preach the gospel, many say, well, what is the gospel? The gospel is simply the good news. What is the good news? Jesus saves. I said, Jesus saves. It's not just good news. It's great news. So he has told you simply, you ain't got to prepare a big old message. You ain't got to go to seminary school to be able to preach the gospel. All you've got to do, if you are blood ball, you are saved and love Jesus Christ. All you've got to do is go out. Two words, Jesus saves. Let me tell you about the love of Jesus Christ. Or better yet, let me tell you about what he's done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. And let me tell you something. I was talking with Michael before service. The church has gotten better at preaching with their mouth, but yet our hands and feet aren't matching up with what our mouth is speaking. We can't just be preachers and speak with our mouth and not let our life line up with what we're speaking. Because you can speak it all day long, but if that is not coming out through your through love and it's not showing forth in your actions, then they are going to dismiss every word that you have said. So you need your life to line up with what you are preaching. Amen? So when you start adding to the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I just said is Jesus saves, then it exists to be the good news. When you start saying, it's Jesus now, now, he said that you got to stop this, you got to stop that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And that's exactly the mindset of many Christians. They say, oh, Jesus saves, he does. Now, but now, now you got to do this. And automatically they have started adding laws, they have started adding works, they have started heaping that on. And when you do that, when you start adding anything else other than Jesus saves the simplicity of Calvary, simplicity of what he has done, then it exists to be the good news and it becomes bad news. Because then the people that you're speaking to start saying, well, I can't live this life. Well, there's no hope for me. Let me, there is hope. As long as breath is the body, there is hope for every person. And that hope is Jesus Christ. So we can't be adding to this gospel that he's called us and commanded us to go forth into all the world and preach. We are to simply stick to the word of God. That's the problem in the church. We've deviated from the word of God. If we will stick to this book and preach what this book says, we will begin to see the results again. Because the word works. Get back. We need to get back to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we see as the book of Acts sings, they begin to preach and the Bible that the church was added to daily. Paul preached, I mean, Peter preached the first inaugural message and 3,000 were saved. He didn't go out here and, and do disco balls. He didn't go out here and bring you parties and go cooking hot dogs and hamburgers and filling. No, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church was added to listen. There's nothing wrong with doing good works. There's nothing going wrong with doing outreach, but if we fail to give them the answer, if we fail to give them Jesus, then we have tremendously failed them. Do all the events that you want to, but if we fail to preach them the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have failed them. Amen? 2 Timothy 4, 1-2 says, I charge you, brethren, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead and his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Preach what? The Word. He didn't say preach your opinion. He didn't say preach your thoughts. He didn't say preach your conviction. But he said to simply preach 
the Word. What is the Word? John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, thank God, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the Word. So when He said preach the Word, you preach Christ and Him crucified. You start preaching your opinions and you start preaching your convictions that the Lord has dealt with you on, you're not preaching the Word. You're preaching your own message. You're preaching your own version. Preach the Word. Stick to the Word. And it will not return void. Trust in that. I was encouraged that the Lord reminded me of that because the enemy loves to do nothing more but to come in and to rob us of our joy, to rob us of that abundant life. God has done a great thing here. He's doing a great thing here. He's going to continue to do a great thing here. And the old enemy comes along and just because maybe people don't respond and there was conviction in the house, but let me tell you, he said, a little and there a little. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line. God is working, amen, and the work will not return void. It won't return void. So when you preach the word, when you preach the word, then you are promised that the word will not return void. Meaning when the word goes forth, it will do what it's intended to do. It will convict. It will lift up. It will encourage. It will strengthen. Only the word will do that. Your convictions, if you preach your convictions, ain't going to lift up. It's going to tear down. If you start preaching your opinion, then it's not going to give that one who don't know Jesus Christ hope. It's going to tell them, I don't stand a chance. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. So failure to preach the gospel is a failure to preach. I'm sorry, failure to preach the cross is a failure to preach the gospel. You can't separate Jesus from the cross because Jesus, as a man who's done wonderful, mighty things, who healed the sick, who performed miracles like no other man could ever do, but if that's all he had ever done, then you and I wouldn't stand a chance. He was sent here to die for us, to pay the debt of sin that you and I could not pay. That's what he was sent here to do. So you can't separate, you can't not mention the cross, because if you don't mention the cross, then you're not truly preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because again, the good news is Jesus saved through what he did at Calvary's cross. Failure to mention his death, failure to mention his blood, means there's no remission of sins, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. You've got to have the blood of Jesus Christ. So Christ is full of grace and truth because he is God who is grace and truth. He is the vessel that contains the grace of God and for it to flow to each and every single one of us through him being crucified and his blood poured out. So when his blood poured out, poured out of his body, it then could pour into you. Amen. We've all had a blood transfusion. You and I were walking. We were the walking dead, if you will. We were dead in our trespasses. Read Ephesians chapter 2. Your trespasses. You were without this but then all of a sudden the holy spirit quickened your heart and made you to become because you have blood transfusion life is in the blood his blood was poured out so that it can pour into you and when you said yes to jesus christ it poured into you and all of a sudden you now but again you didn't want the old man to come alive the old man is dead you came alive as a new creature in christ jesus thank god what you used to be to be 
excited about that tonight. That your old man is gone, that you are brought forth now as a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. So to mention Jesus and not attribute the work on Calvary as the means by which we receive all things and the means by which the Holy Spirit works within our lives means we have violated God's way. It is the work of the Holy Spirit who transforms us, who conforms us into the image of Jesus Christ. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's God's power through the Holy Spirit to come in and to work in our way. So when we fail to mention Jesus Christ, we fail to mention that He's the only way, when we fail to point people back to the cross of Christ, then we have violated God's way. Because the only way that He can abide within us is through faith and grace. It's by faith in Christ and what he has done, by us being baptized under his death, so now he can abide within us and do the work that he desires to do. Amen. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. How many of you know we're in perilous times right now? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Verse 4, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Verse 5, this verse, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. You see, they have denied the power of the cross by saying that it is not only through the cross that victory can be accomplished and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And Paul was emphatic here. He said they got a form of godliness. They've got all the rudiments of a Christian, if you will. They're looking the part, but they have denied the power. The power is in the cross of Christ. That's where the power lies. That's where the Holy Spirit gives, is given the legal right to be able to work in our hearts and lives. And Paul here says you better turn away from it. That means if you're, they're not in a church that's preaching faith and grace that's pointing the person back to the cross of Christ for victory for everything, you better get out because I promise you it will do damage to you. It will hurt you in your walk with the Lord because again, like I said, if we're not pointing the believer, if we're not pointing the sinner to Christ and what he's done, then we're pointing them to self and self can't fix self. Only the blood of Jesus can. So be careful who you're listening to. And I can tell you that all false doctrine comes in on the element of truth. The great revolution that's out there that says that you can live any old kind of way you want to, not ask for forgiveness, because when you ask for forgiveness, you are offending God. Now that's what they're saying. Now there's enough truth in what they preach, which they preach in here, that if you'll confess your sins and you'll and believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus, Christ and what he's done, thou shalt be saved. They say that, and that is absolutely correct. But where they fail and where they're in wrong error is when they go on to say, now that you've received the righteousness of Christ, don't offend God by asking for forgiveness. So basically what they're saying is to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit, who is the convictor. You all know, right? If you're saved and you mess up, you know it, don't you? How do you know it? Because the Holy Spirit who's dwelling inside of you is there convicting you and saying, you shouldn't have done that. When you've just spoken ill to your spouse, 
No, it's me like that. Shut your mouth, you just messed up. And then I gotta go and do it two apologies. First to the Lord and then to Stacy. Or when somebody's poured out in front of you on this road out here on 421 and all of a sudden it ain't blessed the Lord that comes through your mind, it may be something that should be coming through your mind. Or maybe even out of your mouth. But thank God we're justified by faith. But he will convict you, say, no, you shouldn't do that. And then we're to take that sin, we're to bring it before him, and then he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God. He's not a God just of 10 chances, 20 chances, 1,000. He's a God fall, but it's how many times that you get back up. Amen? Because he can't, he can deal with failure, but what he can't is a quitter. He can't work with the quick, but he can work with somebody that may be failing, somebody that may be struggling, somebody that's living in most are living in that Romans chapter 7 of not understanding why they're doing what they're doing of God with everything within them. But when the answer says, I'm done, I don't believe anymore, God can't do anything with that. But if you'll continue to evidence, even though you may be failing, but how many times you fall, get back up, keep going, keep pressing. He'll see you through. Amen. So preaching Christ and crucified sets the captives free. It saves souls while at the same time destroying the powers of darkness because that is what man's real problem is and it is sin. That's why we say that the blood is the double cure. Not only does the blood of Jesus Christ, not only has it taken the penalty of sin away, that you don't have to die and go to hell where you deserve to go, but it has also stripped away the power of the sin nature that was once there. So not only have you been saved from the penalty, you've been saved from the power of sin. Yes. Do we get this tonight? The sin nature that is inside each and every one of us, before you got saved, it was pushing out evil impulses. It told you where to go. It told you what to say. You had no choice but to obey it. And everything of its commands was evil, 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 contrary to God's word. But the day that you said yes to Jesus Christ, and this is the part that we all get, that most of the church gets, is that now I don't have to die and go to hell. Absolutely. Praise God. Wonderful. But what we also need to get a hold of and also need to realize is that not only did it take that penalty away of your sin, but it also took the power away that once had control over your life. Yeah. That sin nature that yeah. was there that made you do these things, he's now crushed it. He's now delivered it. He has now set you free from it. He stripped that power away. So now you don't have to obey the commands. That's why he said in Romans 6.14, Sin shall not have dominion over you. So we don't have to walk around with this ideology that means you're saying that well I've got to sin every day. No, you don't. Right. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Now are you going to be perfect? No. There was only one perfect person to walk this earth, and his name is Jesus. And you and I, it's not a matter of if we fail, it's when we fail. We're going to fall again. But we got to realize that we don't have to continue in sin. 
He has stripped away the powers. So quit saying no to the problem and start saying yes to Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. Start saying yes to the victory that he won for you at Calvary's cross. Because the power of the sin nature has been totally destroyed. So the blood of Jesus Christ is the double cure. Taking away the penalty of sin and also taking away the power of sin over mine and over your life. Amen. So when God saved you, again, he did not save you from sin. He saved you from sin and not in sin. He desires to change us and again to bring us into a closer walk with him to conform us into his image. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. Paul was saying, You, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you of all of your trespasses. Verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. Do you realize what that word blotting means? It means he erased them. It means he pardoned them. All the sins that were stacked up against you, he took every one of them away that was against you, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. So not only did he forgive you with his blood, but with his blood he defeated every power of darkness that would ever come against you to try and hold you in bondage. He disabled the powers of darkness there on Calvary's cross. He made an open show of them. He said, I have totally annihilated you. Look what I have done. You can no longer hold my people captive, but I have set them free. Yes. So when Satan's coming and attacking you and trying to hold you down, you reminded the blood of Jesus Christ has, has stripped the power that you once had over my life. Amen. And so now I can walk in the freedom when the liberty where Christ has made us free. So many will say that the cross is right for salvation, but now we've got to move on for sanctification. You got saved. You said yes to Jesus Christ. Simple. And now you're living for the Lord. And here's where sanctification comes in. And the ideology, and, the, and, 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 and unfortunately, was wrong mindsets of thinking of many of the denominations was that you've got to now sanctify yourself. You've got to clean yourself up. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. Well, if that's the case, then where does that leave the Holy Spirit? He is the agent of transformation. It is the Holy Spirit who comes in and takes these things away from us. It is through the help of the Holy Spirit that we can have the victory. Amen. It is through what Christ did on Calvary's cross. The Holy Spirit is the power there of God to help us, to lead us, and to guide us. Amen. So again, when you leave the cross, you just step back into bondage. So when you point somebody else uh, to something else other than Christ and what he's done at the cross, then you have to step back into bondage. There's only liberty and freedom at the cross of Christ. Outside of the finished work of Calvary, there is nothing but bondage. Amen. Verse 18, the word preaching in the Greek where it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them who perish foolishness. But unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. So the word preaching in the Greek is logos, which means the word of God or message of God. That's why you hear being if you watch it, the message of the cross. So for the message of the cross is to them who perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So we see here God's method. 
God's method in saving souls is by preaching the cross of Christ. That's God's method. He's always had only one method. It isn't ten methods. It isn't five methods. It ain't even two methods. It's only one method, and that is through preaching the cross. Paul used the word the cross. He used the word the cross. And we should be using the word the cross too. That don't mean that we should be making it uh, a, a law, if you will, but we should be out and preach the cross. And when we, when we say the cross, of course, we're encompassing Jesus. Because you can't have the cross and the power of it and what was done there without Jesus. Amen? You have to have a sacrifice. The sacrifice is Jesus Christ. So the world, of course, thinks it's foolish because they don't see themselves as bad enough for Jesus to die for them. They may look at that and say, well, that's maybe for those that have committed the big, big sins. The big five, if you will. Well, I'm no drunk. I'm no drug addict. I haven't died. I haven't killed nobody. I haven't done this and done that. I'm really a pretty good person all upon my own. I don't need that man to die for me to forgive me. I can go out here and do good works and earn my way in. I had a person one day to tell me through work like that. I asked him, I said, why do you do all the good things that you do? Terrible work. And the response there, it may seem funny, but yet it's sad. So, well, it's just like this. When I get to heaven one day, and still old Saint, because of what I've done, old St. Peter's going to say, come on in. Because of what they've done. They think their ticket into heaven, their ticket into eternal life, is through the good works that they have done. And this is just one of the millions and millions and millions of people who's got this mindset. And so they think, well, it doesn't, I don't need the blood to forgive me of my sins. I can cancel out my bad with enough good. Almost like the scales of justice, if you will. You've ever seen the scales of justice and they weigh things and it evens out. But if you put more on this one side, the other side goes up. So they think if they do more good works, it will cancel out the bad that they have done. Let me tell you, work all you want to, get out here and feed the homeless, do all of these good things you want to, but without the blood, no one's going in. It's foolish to the world. But unto us who are saved, who have believed, and who have accepted, it is the power of God. Why is it the power of God? Because you and I were once deep in sin. You know where you come from. You know the sin that you were in. You know the powers of darkness that once ruled and controlled you. And you know that you tried everything. I know that I tried everything to stop what was going on. And to know what it did work. But the day that I cried out to Jesus. The day that I said, Lord, help me. Lord, save my soul. Yes. The Spirit of God came in. The blood of Jesus Christ flowed. And it washed me clean. And it set me free. It yes. set me free from the powers of darkness. First Corinthians 6, 9 and 11 said, Do you? not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, or idolaters, or adulterers, or feminine, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revivers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. As such were some of you. Hello. As such were some of you. But you are washed he wasn't talking yes, about the blood. He was talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of that, now you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So when he washed you in his blood, you were then declared clean. And because you were cleaned by the blood, he then could turn right around and justify you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank God for his blood. 
Thank God he's taken away all of our sins. Amen. So we're now a joint heir with Christ, a sharer by life, an inheritor of the kingdom of God because of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you that only the blood of Jesus can produce change lives from the horrible grips of sin and bondage. So again, the word saved, as I mentioned this morning, is sozo, meaning to, uh, uh, to, to, to deliver, uh, to heal, to save. So that's the power there, the, the dunamis power of God. So, so in a, the, the message of the cross is the power of God in our lives relative to the born-again experience, meaning we have been saved, but the scripture here is saying not only have we been saved, but we are being saved and we shall be saved. Yes. So not only have we been saved, you've been taken, you've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, been taken away from your sins, but you are also being saved. There's where sanctification comes in. You're continuously being cleaned up because yeah. none of us have arrived. There's still things in our life that he desires to strip away from us. Amen. Still things that only he can take from us and not of ourselves. And also we shall be saved. And what does that mean? That's glorification. Yes. So right now, the penalty of sin has been taken away. The power of sin has been stripped away. And one day, thank God, the presence of sin is going to be gone. Yes. So we've got the first fruits right now, which is enough to be able to live a victorious life because the penalty's been gone, the presence of the power of sin's been gone, and one day the presence of sin will be gone when we step into the portals of glory. And we don't have to worry about this old flesh anymore that is the problem because yeah, immortality's going to put on immortality, yes. corruption's going to put on incorruption. Amen. Amen. This old fleshly body ain't going in, but our soul and spirit's going to live with Him and going to be united with the glory. We can't. You can't exhaust the cross. 
We can learn more about it each and every single day. And the heart's cry, the prayer should be, Lord, reveal to me more about what you have accomplished and done for me at Calvary. I want to know more, Lord. I want the benefits of Calvary to work in my life. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when you go and get a job and they offer benefits, you accept the position. And many of these benefits are free. Free insurance, you got 401k, vacation time, sick time. You would be crazy not to receive those benefits. Amen. They're there for you. You take them because you've accepted the position. When you've accepted Christ, now the benefits are there for you to receive. But the only way you're going to receive them. And the main thing dealing with our sanctification and how we live for the Lord is by faith and grace and what he has done. Yes. Amen. Amen. Same as the Come on back. Stand to your feet all around here. The double cure. The blood of Jesus Christ is still the double cure. Amen. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it. And when you're sick and you go to the doctor, I don't know about you, but if I can just take one pill to fix my problem, it's better than taking two. It's better than taking three. Or it's better than taking four. But when you have to get a shot, and if you're like me, I'm scared to death of needles, I would rather them stick me one time <coughs> to fix the problems that i got than to stick me two times, three times, and four times. The blood of Jesus Christ is the double cure, the triple cure, the quadruple cure. It's the answer for everything that you need Amen. tonight. Amen. Yes. Everything in your life. So as they begin.